0: Welcome to Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevate. I'm Matt Cranny, and this is the show where we talk offensive and defensive business strategies with some of the most successful and insightful small business leaders. So if you're looking for great conversation and new ways to grow and protect your company, you're in the right place.
1: There's no such thing as a small business. Every business is monumental for the people who lead and depend on it. At M3 Elevate, we have hundreds of policies, but only one mindset. Fuel your growth.
0: My guest today is Joe Curtis. Joe is a co-founder of Generator and serves as its full-time managing director along with Troy Vossler. Joe has worked in startups for nearly five years with a focus on seed and series A-stage companies. Before choosing to have fun for a living, Joe worked at Quarles & Brady, where he focused his practice on private equity and venture capital. Joe received his law degree from the University of Wisconsin Law School and his BA from Marquette University. Generator is a nationally ranked venture capital firm, and accelerator that brings together startup founders, investors, corporations, job seekers, universities, musicians, And artists, the Generator platform includes more than seventy-five programs spanning startup accelerators, corporate programming, a speaker series, conferences, skills accelerators, and fellowships. Generator believes that everyone deserves opportunities regardless of race, place, or gender. With two hundred and sixty-one accelerators, thirteen hundred plus startups, two billion plus in total funding across forty-one communities, it's clear Generator is on the move and deeply connected to the world of small and growing businesses. Their mission is to be the best partner for a community to invest in its best and brightest. They envision communities achieving measurable and transformational growth through programming that enables equitable access and opportunity. They do what they do because they care about their communities. Joe, welcome to Fastbreak.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Joe. That's quite the introduction, quite the BioGenerator is an incredibly impressive organization. And obviously on break. we love to learn from awesome small business owners and operators who are doing the rewarding, terrifying and critical work of growing their business and impacting their community. So tell us in your words, all about Generator.
1: Yeah, Generator is a love letter to home. The idea is, could we serve as the best partner for our community, in that case of Milwaukee and Madison, and it's grown, as you mentioned, to 41 plus cities. But it's still that original thesis of serving as the best partner for our community to invest in its best and brightest. And we have this belief that opportunity is everywhere. It's born proportionally equally in every community. And yet the opportunity to connect with capital, with investment, with customers isn't distributed everywhere. So how can we use our platform to bridge that gap? And so we've been working on it now for 12 years. Across race, place, and gender, we've tried to be as diverse as the communities we serve. And we run accelerators that seek to bring in the best and brightest, that work with those individuals over the seven to 12 weeks, and help them find the best customers, the best mentors, prepare them for what it's like to live in a world with investors or loans, and then think about what we can do to try to help them expedite growth and profitability of their businesses. And that mission expanded in 2018 to include art and music, so instead of taking... Mm -hmm those best and brightest out to meet venture firms, who took them to meet gallerists or record labels. And then in 2020, it expanded to run that same accelerator model, that same catalyst for mentorship, network, and experience into serving individuals who are trying to get a new career, a new skill. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. individuals who are unemployed. And so combined, those four accelerators, that startup program, music, art, and skilling program, have grown to, as you mentioned, this 41-city footprint that ranges from Alaska to Luxembourg. And it's been a real privilege just getting to meet so many different communities and realizing that the common theme that ties us together is the desire for our community and for our children's future to be better tomorrow than it is today. And this hope and belief that we can create new models that don't exist today to achieve that outcome. And I think accelerators are one new type of product to do that, but it is certainly a privilege to continue that love letter to home that we started 12 years ago. But to see it grow in scope like it has is something we don't take for granted.
0: Yeah, I I love that, Joe. And I'm glad you finished with it again because I think that statement, a love letter to home, is perfect. I, I think that just speaks so clearly to what it is that you all are trying to achieve. In that spirit, Joe, can you maybe tell us a little bit about your story that led you to co found Generator?
1: Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a family of public servants. And so the idea of taking accountability to make our community better was what we thought was the family trade. And so I used to grow up knocking on campaign doors and had this firm belief that you could use action to create community change, but politics wasn't in my path. I went to undergraduate at Marquette and graduated from UW Law School. And I was a federal law clerk for a few years before going to Quarles and Brady, where I knew I wanted to take a different path, but didn't know what. And stumbled with Troy Vossler, my co-founder on this accelerator model, where you get these small checks and you write these $20,000 at the time. Now it's about $100,000, but these checks into I call them trash can dreams, just really young individuals oftentimes, but now it's all over the bracket. We would work and recruit them on campus and we would write these checks to help them create a company. And so they'd create a company, we'd invest in it, we'd buy stock. And so that was the path into it was just this this theme of community service that I wanted to keep in my life, but didn't quite know how. I knew I, I liked the idea of it, but I wasn't quite sure what the form would take. And I never imagined this. The legal background has been helpful because So much of what we do is buying and selling stock. It's a contract. And same with the customers we serve and the way that a company like ours operates is through contract. And that's served me well, but an atypical path from lawyer into entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a a unique and fun journey. One Joe, obviously, that has played out for the betterment of Madison, Milwaukee, and the other communities that you serve. Thank you for your service. I love that it's framed out that way. And again, speaks more to that love letters of home. Joe, as we continue our conversation at M3 Elevate, we're built on the principle that we need to help our clients play both offense growth and defense protection with their business. Uh, Because when people get in the mindset of their insurance and it's only for defense, it's a mindset. It's it's not big enough. It's not. uh, When you look at that amount coming out of your account every month, uh, yes, you've got to have the defense, but how can your partner help you continue to grow? So learning more about you and Generator, can you describe how Generator has helped some of those small and growing businesses manage that tension in their very earliest stages of their business growth between the willingness to grow, but also the willingness to make sure the business is solid?
1: Yeah, and oftentimes we'll say it's also a bit like the tension of working in and on your business that mm. uh, how do you balance both kind of the ability to build the future with maintaining the today? For the startups we serve, a lot of it is working through the the single biggest constraint is their cash. And so when our, when somebody comes into our program, one of the first curriculum we deliver, we're really focused on how can we help these individuals align the resources they have to create the most wealth. And I think to your offense defense question, it, it is a, a mode shifting event for them because so much of what they're trying to do is figure out where defensively do I need to spend money to keep the company In a position that it can continue moving forward a lot of times that means they need an engineer or they need a salesperson or Mm -hmm. they need something that they might not be the part that secures the growth but it could be the part that keeps them ready to grow so the alignment between a founder's understanding of what resources they have today and where they need to be tomorrow or in six months or 12 months in terms of growth and product that feels a lot like defense when you're doing it with them because They want to hire five people and they're getting all these claims on resources within the business. There's oftentimes entirely new managers in a startup Mm -hmm. and they're saying, I heard that we need X resource and they don't have the perspective to help understand when maybe they're getting a claim that isn't quite the highest priority. They'll just go to the founder and say urgently, we need to hire or we need to spend here. And so the signals coming into an early stage founder, especially from a nascent team that's new to management and so many of ours are, is spend more and helping the founders understand that they're, they're not going to be the hero in every spending decision. In fact, they're far more likely to be perceived as the villain, but that's necessary. That always feels like defense and they're excited and they want to spend and hire and have their own team. And so what we found is when there's not a lot of money, it's, it's almost a little easier to go on offense because you can't anyway. When the startups are new and they just have a little bit, the offense feels like, how do we use your sweat equity or the late nights or the arbitrage of what you know and the skills you've learned prior to this business to help you gain an advantage? That, that arbitrage will feel like the offense. What can we do to create value at, at an incredibly high capital efficiency just by having you involved? That will feel like the offense and the defense will feel like of the 30 claims on this company's limited resources, which two were we going to say yes to? And how do we say no to 28 without ruining the culture? Oftentimes, how we come off is saying, don't spend. Even though you have the money because you want to attach the spending to the highest possible use of that dollar. How do we get them to maintain that discipline, especially when those same new managers are making even more claims on their resources? So the experience for us on defense will oftentimes be how do we hold back an organization's natural tendency to spend more when more is available? And the offense will feel like, how do we help a founder do more when less is available? And inevitably, some of our best startups have been our most capital efficient because they never had the privilege of making the mistake. Um, yeah. And so for those ones for whom they do raise capital, it's really more of a fight to make sure that the money is spent wisely. So d- the defense is keeping that humility to know we all have a hit rate on spending and it's naturally much lower than people expect. So delay the spending now retain more optionality for later it's the offensive defense is very much i think an, an apt description of it but the way i think it plays out is a little more counterintuitive and so for us it's a lot of budget meetings a lot of milestone meetings a lot of cash flow meetings because only one third of every company that raises gets to raise again and how are you going to distinguish yourself from your peers by performing better and in tough decisions like those
0: yeah joe I, I love it i was jotting down some notes as you were chatting. there was so much there was great there but a couple of things I just want to highlight for, for our audience. Uh, one, perceiving defense as the ability to be ready to grow. I, I love the way that you phrase that because I think sometimes defense can have a negative connotation, versus, no, you have to play an appropriate amount of defense in your business to make sure that you can grow when conditions change, money's raised, et cetera. So I think that's so applicable to everybody. And, and then, second, maybe more for the leaders who are listening in today. You won't always be the hero in decision-making.
1: You won't always have to be the villain. <laughs> There'll be a couple of times when you get to take a time off for being a villain, but you have to say, I know that there's this intensity and ferocity of opinion on we need to spend more here, but the organization just can't afford to continue saying yes to everything.
0: Yeah, I love that because whether it's yes as a path of least resistance, whether it's yes as a, it seems like the attractive, cool, awesome thing to do, As are the leaders listening today, hopefully is a good sort of prompt to say, where have I been in the last six months in those decisions? And if it's always been yes, maybe we need to evaluate how we're going about that and how we might move forward from years Thank you for sharing that. That was really incredible. Okay, Joe, if it's okay with you, I'd love to actually verbatim share Generator's mission with our audience. I think it's such a beautiful mission, which is your mission is to be the best partner for community to invest in its best and brightest envisioning communities, achieving measurable and transformational growth through the programming that enables equitable access and opportunity. They do what they do because they care about communities. Joe, can you share a story with our audience of how you've seen a community transform based on the work of the businesses that you are empowering?
1: Yeah, I'm going to pick maybe one that people don't expect, but we've been running a a climate tech and sustainability program. And there's really a movement nationally around what we can do to activate startups that are working on climate and sustainability tech. And it's this community that's coming together, but looking for channels to create private investments that get some of the chains that maybe we're worried other stakeholders won't get done in time for global mm-hmm. warming. And I didn't know what to expect. And we, we empowered Ryan Jeffrey, who joined the team from Chicago to help us build this. He's a University of Wisconsin graduate. And we've known him as a mentor in our program. And it's been just wild to see the Chicago had its climate tech summit and opening panel. It wasn't meant it was organic. I think there was like three startups on stage and they were all graduates of generator suite of sustainability, Mm -hmm. climate tech programming Mm -hmm. across a, and to see that here they were looking for exciting startups in the region. And three were alumni of ours from different programs. It was a cool moment for us and in the work they're doing, you can see how they got on stage. My favorite is a a company that cycle that creates mushrooms that eat garbage and kind Mm. of, industrial waste and then produce output through the waste of the mushroom um, that use construction grade material that can be sold and repurposed. Now there is curbside electric charging that sort of replaces the parking meter with something to enable electric vehicles to charge. And there's so many dealing with microplastics to wastewater runoff, et cetera, that to see those companies start identifying generator as a national brand in climate tech has been remarkable. We just won a Department of Energy award in direct air capture. And I think it speaks to this larger idea that we could go city by city to see these companies come through across the country now that these communities where graduates from three years ago are now viewed as community leaders, that never gets old. And we're trying to replicate that level of success that discussed in the climate tech model at that geographic level, at that kind of industry level. It's a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun. It's the importance of locals investing in locals. What we can do as a community to catalyze the dollars we have to invest into our own best and brightest. Troy and I ran 12 accelerators of five startups. Six of them are worth a hundred million or more. And we started with all of them when they were nothing. When you see the power of the small check, it's not the check, the conviction that comes with believing these people can do it. You see them grow from just them to four employees and eight and 50. The 300 graduates employ about 10,000 people. Uh, And to see that You become convinced that the greater risk is not that we lose, it's that we don't try. We'll go to places that are not thought of even within their region or their smaller region as venture hubs and start seeing people build companies worth 10 million or 50 or a hundred. You have this desire to see more of it.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's such an incredibly powerful response because when you think about it, it's both at the micro and macro level, right? The micro of, gosh, every job that's created is a job that did not exist before. And that job is a, a livelihood. That job is empowering that person to be able to pour back into their community. And your line of locals investing in locals, too, at the macro level, it is incredible. When you think about all of your graduates in all the things that they've been poured into, their ability to turn around and pour into other people, as well it goes out so wide and into so many places that maybe you probably know a lot of them, but maybe some of you even don't because it's so big and, and what an incredible legacy you and, and Troy and Generator are, are creating. Joe, I, I'd love to turn the page a little bit. And as we heard in the intro, the key statement uh, for Generator is that everyone belongs. And certainly in researching all about you and Generator, you don't just talk the talk in living that out. A couple of examples, 67% of Generator companies have a minority founder. 46% of Generator companies have at least one founder of color along with so many other stats that, that show and highlight your complete commitment. I'd love if you could speak to the small business owners and operators in your audience who really want to have that same commitment to everyone belonging, uh, but perhaps they're struggling with where to start because DE and I feel such a big and important and, and meaningful area. And I'd love for you just to share maybe some reflections or thoughts you have on that.
1: Yeah. One of our employees is getting her master's and wrote a paper and sent it to us. And the the theme was DEI is wicked hard. It's it's something that every version of what you're doing is so contextually different. The challenges you might see in one community or one person are going to be so different. as to build a rule of operating system principles. It's really hard. But we believe going to our mission that if genius is everywhere, but the sort of opportunity to invest in them is not. What can we do? And one of my favorite stories is we had the privilege of running uh, during Motown's 50th anniversary, we had the privilege of running a music accelerator with them for musicians in Detroit. And so we learned, we spent a lot of time and his very gorgeous family still involved and runs the museum. And my favorite stories about that is so many of the artists went to the same high school. And in fact, two or three of them lived on the same block. Hey, Diana Ross, and maybe it was like Smokey or somebody, but wow! And, uh, and it's just an incredible story of how someone who was committed to finding genius in his own community was able to go and find people for whom you worry that maybe we wouldn't have them if that person hadn't gone out and committed Mm -hmm. themselves to do it. And so I think having that urgency of now to say we have to get into our communities and find those blocks where the next generation of talent lives is most of the answer. If you have that sense of urgency, I think that can happen. I think the second part is with a lot of venture firms we meet, I I always tell our team, we're we're builders, not brokers. We might do some brokering, but it's just as a function of the bill. That I think a lot of venture firms or investment firms or whomever will say we have a pipeline problem because we don't see enough there. And I think that's a broker's assessment of a situation. And for us, if you're a builder, the opportunities to work with people from scratch and help them create new companies opens up so many more opportunities to engage diverse groups than if we were just saying, we're only going to take those people who are already in motion. What we've seen is that the discrepancies are so egregious as to require almost constant attention. So in the venture industry, last quarter, it was for every one all-female-led startup that got funded, there were 20 all-men-led startups mm-hmm. that got funded. And within the disparities, about 3% going to Black and brown founders. Within that, it's 9 to 1 going men to women. So when it comes out on a $100 bill, mm-hmm. $0.18 cents to Black women and Latina led startups. And so if you just go into those communities and start supporting individuals to help them build you can start seeing innovations that maybe weren't evident. What can we do to go collectively from being brokers who look at the pool (laughs) of available people and say there's not enough, to builders who commit to working with individuals to help there be more people in that crowd and helping them succeed. So it's been a ton of work. It's really difficult. It's something that has definitely aged me, but I'm glad we did it. And I think we're committed to continuing to serve as builders who decline to say there's a pipeline issue, and commit to saying, "What can we do to solve this?" I'll end with. Uh, I discussed that in a racial context, but uh, we see this in all different sorts of ways. We run a skilling program for individuals to go from unemployed to employed, and it's the same logic. Which is, we think there's a design flaw in the system of how venture capitalists. If you want to invest in Madison or Chippewa Falls or Whitewater or Rockford or wherever, it's like going grocery store shopping at a hundred different stores for a hundred different items. It's like yeah. that. Employers, too, if you want to hire remotely in different communities around the country, how do you engage with 587 workforce boards, much less right. vendors each, to, to drive opportunity? In rural areas, we find that with the advent of things like SpaceX's internet program and others, for the first time ever, you can go from offline to online to skilled to employed and access a remote job anywhere in the country from the comfort of your home, especially post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And we've been proud to be serving skilling programs in Wyoming and Alaska and and Southern Virginia and Central Washington that are very rural and serving communities that are historically excluded, but not in a racial way, just in a place-based way. I've learned a great deal about how it is that we can use new products and new technologies to break down barriers that may have previously been perceived as limiting and beyond the constraints of what some might call a pipeline barrier.
0: Yeah, Joe, wow, another incredible answer I loved what you said about being builders, the acknowledgement that it's hard, but the best work and that you said genius is everywhere, but opportunity is not. I think that's a really huge takeaway for our audience. So thank you. Okay. Okay, As we close out this section of our conversation, Joe, I'd love it if you could share some practical advice that you would give to our small
1: business audience. Uh, I think just don't do it alone. The more you can interact with other people to just talk it through, sometimes it can be extraordinarily hard for a small business owner because your constant companion is your cash flow or the viability of the business or whatever it is that's keeping you up at night. And oftentimes you can't go anywhere. If you want to go on vacation, that companion goes with you. And to have to bear that alone can be disabling. It can be really hard as an employer, especially a small business owner, to keep a culture where people feel like they're at their highest and best use and that you're hearing them and listening to them but also dealing with the triage of what that business requires from you in a given hour. Mm -hmm. And to constantly be on like that for other people, for yourself, for the business, for your family, um, just the emotional endurance involved with being a small business owner is really hard. And if people create a support group for themselves to have people that they can lean on when it's tough, because the variety of what might make something difficult is beyond my ability to predict. But having someone you can call and feel like you're in a safe place to just unwind and get it out of your system and be heard and hear them and do the same for them so you feel like it's a mutually healthy place. Mm -hmm. I I think that's unique to why entrepreneurs oftentimes hang out with other entrepreneurs or what have you. And for a small business owner, there's guaranteed small business employers in your region, other people who are going through it. And I think, again, I'm sure with M3 being a trusted advisor, that's a second resource beyond your fellow peers to call and say, I got to just talk it out. Yeah, Don't be alone have a support group that you can go to that you feel understands you and can help you Mm. work through it. It's maybe my best advice, but we've tried to create a community that does that for people. And the founders, if they're confronting something brutal, they'll want to call and share it with someone who think maybe has gone through other similar-like events and see if they've got nothing else, a little empathy for them.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that. Go together, right, is, is the sort of response and additional piece that I would offer to Joe that I see you doing, which is Hey, yes, have those people in your life, but who are you being that person for as well? And it might right. be the same group, but it's where if you're a little bit further along, if your company is a little bit bigger, not that is easy by any stretch, but the challenges are just different. Can you turn around and identify other people in your network that you might be able to help because you remember what it was like to be X or Y? And so I think that's just incredibly wise advice for our audience. So thank you. Okay, Joe, we've made it through the main set of questions. And as always, our last set of questions is our fastest break set of questions. And we'll do this rapid fire. I'll ask each question. You can give a quick off the top response and then we'll move on to the next one. Is that okay? Sounds great. Perfect. Okay. Joe, favorite book that you've read in the last 12 months?
1: I read a book on Genghis Khan and the making of the modern world, and I had no idea what it was going to be in that book. And I walked away just blown away by one of the more remarkable stories I'd ever read. And just the story of someone who came from nomadic life in Mongolia to perspective over most of the known world. I had never anticipated what I'd find in that book, and it was incredibly rewarding. And I got a lot more perspective than I thought I would get out of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. complete the sentence?
0: Uh, For you, leadership is?
1: Hard and humbling
0: that. The most impactful coaching advice that you've ever received, Joe?
1: Playing traffic.
0: Your favorite podcast that you would recommend to our audience?
1: Reed Zakaria's CNN show. He plays it as a podcast. That's phenomenal.
0: Awesome. You can't live without an app on your phone.
1: Yeah, I thought about this one. It's probably our Slack app that I use for internal communications within the company. I open it and I can see the dialogue and who needs something. And I probably open it the most after, uh, after my mail.
0: Yeah, it's funny. When I wrote the question, I thought that people might share like these weird sort of like eclectic apps. Yeah. And the vast majority of people like maps.
1: Yeah, that's, so, true. So that's a pretty you're good you're thing. In, yeah. yeah. Good uh,
0: last thing you did that truly scared you?
1: My wife and I raising four daughters. So if that doesn't keep you fresh every day, what will? Well. Absolutely.
0: And last question for now, Joe, if you have to give a TED talk, what would be its title?
1: Locals Investing in Locals.
0: Love it. Okay, before we wrap today, Joe, as our audience has listened today and maybe want to uh, connect with you or Generator, can you share what is the best way or place that people can connect with you and Generator moving forward?
1: Yeah, joe at generator.com. So just my email, the brand is gener 8 dot rcom You can get me on LinkedIn. Every 15th of the month, I publish all our stats. So... A lot of people will see that and ping me through there. And then just through DM on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, we, we have all Generator accounts. So please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Joe,
0: thank you so much for being willing to be with us today, for walking through just a, a myriad of different topics, all related to Generator and your story. And I just, again, uh, want to say a huge thank you for sharing your insights and the wisdom with our audience. We really appreciate it.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been
0: Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevate, where we talk with high-impact business leaders and share strategies that you can use to grow and protect your business. And remember, don't settle for an insurance and benefits agent who only plays defense. You need an advisor, a partner, a friend who helps you play offense too. That's us. Like what you heard? Well, don't forget to subscribe. You'll find bonus content and more episodes at m3ins.com slash m3elevate and anywhere where you find your podcasts. And if you're a business owner or leader with insights to share, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. We might even love to have you on the show. This is Fast Break, presented by m3elevate. I'm Matt Cranny, and we'll see you next time.